This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. And now we have a treat for sports fans everywhere. It's really important that professional athletes learn what uh, to say and how to deliver their message. We've got a great first half. Make sure you keep the ball doing the work. We're still looking to get it in the wide areas. First of all, it's the correct stadium design, but also the correct pitch construction. And that clash, that rivalry comes together with that traditional white blocked against that more modern and contemporary neon color. All these events live on the programme. We'll continue to do our best to cover sport in the way that you like, backed up by our highly professional team. Grandstand starts now on BFM 89.9. Yep, that time of the week again. Time for another episode of Grandstand. This is where we look at sports from a different angle. Now, this week we are looking at the football coach, and not just any football coach... He's a football coach of kids, and he's Malaysia's under-19 coach currently. Uh, welcome to the show, Boyan Hodak. Horos, good to be here again. Boyan's an old pal. We go way back. So, it's all going very well with the under-19s. Big championship coming up for you uh, in what, October? Yeah, in October we're playing AFC Under-19, which is Asian Championship. We are in the group with Saudi Arabia, with uh, Tajikistan and China. Let's say powerhouses, and we are their underdogs, so we are try- we need to work hard to, to try to give them hard time. And you've been working with the kids, obviously. You, you guys qualified to, to get to that stage. Now, you've come from club football, very successful club football as well. How did you find the change? Well, uh, in basically with clubs in Malaysia, I won everything. So, you know, I never worked with an, any national team. So I wanted to try what is the difference. So maybe what, when I was offered this job, it was some new experience for me. That's the reason why I agree. Uh, so far in this one year, we have quite lots of success. And um, now will be interesting. Now this will be serious test, not only in, in Southeast Asia. It will be at the, at the Asian level. So I believe that that for all boys this will be great experience, and this will be for them chance once in a lifetime to you qualify for the World Youth World Cup, which nobody did this before from Malaysia. Which is brilliant. All right, let's stick with that for for a little bit. All right, what's the what's our quality of 19-year-olds like under 19s? Uh, if you qualified, if you have all these results, means that they have definitely quality. Last year when I take over, there was only one of them who was playing for the first team in Malaysian in Super League teams. Now we have 12 of them already that train with the first team, some of them playing. We have uh, two of them that are potential candidates for the Malaysian A national team. Wow. So I think that they are improving. I think... Now this is level where it's there, there is no more kids. Now they're getting uh, adults, they become professional footballers, so they need to change their attitude, working habits, they need to become uh, more serious, take this as a job, not only as a fun. Would, would you say that's the biggest challenge you have, attitude? But yeah, you know how is this? This is teenagers, so um, you need sometimes, they will do some nonsense, so you need to know how to deal with this. But to be honest, they are not so bad. Compared to European kids, they are not so bad. I, I imagine you're quite hard on your kids, right? 
But I'm trying to be. You must be tough everywhere, you know. Any players, you must be strict. People don't understand that footballers are also like kids, you know. They sometimes do some nonsense, and you need to to be strict towards them because at the end of the day, if they're not disciplined out of the pitch, they will not be disciplined in the game. So you will lose the game because no discipline in the team. So you don't want that. So, okay, these kids are are the best under 19 kids in Malaysia. How do you scout them? Uh, most of them playing in uh, Billion President Cup teams, and I will normally communicate with the coaches. I will ask them if they have somebody to recommend, and also uh, part of my coaching staff. Uh, we trying to cover almost every game in these two categories. So when we find out, like President Cup is basically league under 21 when you find out that there is some boy who is 17 or 18 and playing already in this league means that he goes quality so we will go scout matches and this is how we will pick them okay okay so um is there a ranking system for for the under 19s like like we've got FIFA for Yeah, full international football. I don't think so. There is overall. You have only um, when they choosing for tournaments, they choosing according to the past uh, results. So it's mean when we went for AFC uh, draw, we were one of the bottoms because we didn't have really good results in last 30, 40 years. So you, this is how they choose. But there is no. They have their in ranking, but this is nothing like what you have in like FIFA official FIFA ranking. Where do you think we'll come in the group? Will we get out of the group? Well, I'm always optimistic, you know, and we are number four, so for us there is no pressure, which is good thing. And uh, I believe that uh, we will have time. Now we have time. We already prepare quite a number of friendly matches and tournaments, tough matches, and I'm not so. Uh, I'm, I'm not worried about the results in this friend list, but I believe that through these tough matches we will become better and that we will give hard time to all, all the teams in our group. When, when you're away with a, with a group of kids like that at, at a tournament, do you control everything, i.e. like when they sleep, what they eat? Yeah, the, everywhere. Whenever you have a tournament for the team, you control their food, you control what time they're going to sleep. Um, basically, we'll tell them what time they need to be in the rooms. Sometimes you give them some advices, but there is, you know, today when you have social media, mm. it's very difficult to stop them to go on social media. I'm not coach who will like old coaches. Some of them were taking uh, mobile phones away and things like that. I'm not doing that, but I'm just trying more to explain why it's not good, why they need to have proper sleep and things like that. So I believe so far that more or less they listen. Where do you think we rank in the world? Um, our under 19s, obviously, I'm talking about. We are still far. We are still far. But I said the good good thing is that after many years we qualified for this uh, FC tournament, which giving them chance. They need. They will play more tough matches, and with tough matches, you become better. So do you, do you communicate with like Ong Kim Sui? With, um, do you tell him which ones should get promoted to to his group and stuff like that? Yeah, we are com communicating, and of course that the, they will follow our tournaments. We're following younger tournaments, so they can see. Sometimes we will recommend because we are every day with these guys when we have camp. We are every day on training, so sometimes we can tell info about their uh, behaving, about characters, about. Uh, Uh, working habits, so which at the end is very important for for uh, recommendation for the older age groups. 
so I mean, your your average Malaysian football fan, right? I mean, you're looking at the, the national side, and okay, the full national side is not much. Our under 23s, our under 19s, yeah, we all have hope. When will that translate to the big stage? When will these guys be carry the flag for the full national side? Biggest problem is when these guys guys come to clubs. The moment when they come to clubs, and this is where they supposed to train properly, work properly, play properly. Then they will improve. So this one we can't control. This one depends from club to club. And uh, our job is to identify talents. Our job is to bring talents to the higher level. But then when come to the clubs, this is something that is out of control. But what do you think the problem is? Is it individual mentality, not wanting to to go further? Are, are you just happy with the lot you have? Is that what what? But you can see one of the things that uh, last few years there was quite good money in Malaysian clubs so lots of boys didn't want to go overseas now you slowly some of them start to to talk about the foreign countries yep. you see that now one of them signed in Thailand yep. so it's got the number 9 shirt as well uh, and <laughs> this is important this exposure these two boys there was two boys in JDT they went to Portugal uh, they didn't play there but even sometimes to train with the clubs to see what's mean professional overseas professional level what's meant uh, to train overseas with uh, how to the clubs work how they behave on training this all is very important so it's good exposure so all young footballers i hope that more of them will go overseas because I'm this can be just for their benefit i mean yeah i understand that but obviously the the, the standard of, of clubs um, in our country still needs improving how far are we away from the top level i know jdt has state of the art training facilities but that's like one out of ten right this is only one of the things you have training facility you have playing facility uh, you have your development I think the biggest problem still is uh, competitive matches in some uh, youth age this is what need to be sorted out because kids and young age they need to comp- to have competitive matches and uh, I think that it's not only Malaysia like one of the things China have problem that they have only 50 clubs and in 50 clubs this is not enough base you need to have lots of clubs European European countries they have few thousands clubs yeah, in, yeah. In, uh, and yeah. they all have new development so with that new development this is they have tough matches from the age of 7 or 8 they have competitive matches so when they come to age of 18 they have 10 years of competitive football which our guys doesn't have our guys depends on school um, now the uh, NFTP is program that they started, which is good network, but need to be upgraded a lot. So again, what that comes with money, obviously. But this comes with money. This comes with time because to produce one player, you need eight to ten years. And tell me who will wait for eight to ten years to, to develop player? So what you're talking about catching kids at six, seven years old in Europe? I know, for example, I know my nephew the moment when he he start to train with the club when he was five but the wow. moment when he was six he start he was registered to play it was not top division it was third fourth division in Croatia but still it's uh, competitive football so mm. it means from age of six you can play and, and it's a step it's a very clear defined step from how uh, a kid can go from third division to to the top league yeah. In, yeah. in the country and in the country and overseas this is like Example in Croatia, clubs surviving from selling players to 
richer countries. So this is why yeah, they're producing. Yeah, yeah. This is not only Croatia. Look at Argentina, Brazil. They're all producing players for the Western Europe. And so when clubs buy them, okay. with these few millions, they will live a few years and producing new players. All right. Brilliant stuff. Uh, insightful, eh? Hey, I tell you what, we're going for our first break. When we come back, we're going to talk more uh, about how Boyan scouts these young kids and also about Boyan's former life as a in football club management. Stick with us. More Grandstand coming right up on BFM 89.9. A view of sports from every angle. This is Grandstand. And we are back. Thanks for sticking with us. This is Grandstand. This is where we look at sports from a different angle. This week, we're talking to Boyan Hodak, Malaysia's under-19 coach. Um, you, you told us about the setup, about the big tournament coming up, uh, which I hope we'll all the, well, the whole nation is behind you. But... I want to know, you told me how you guys scout kids and, and the President's Cup and all that. How do kids get noticed? Do they have to attach themselves to a club? Is there no other way to get you guys to, to see them? Basically, you need to be attached to the club because it's difficult. You can't see anybody on the field how he's playing. Uh, most of these kids uh, are scouted by some by sports schools. And uh, the rest are coming for the trials in uh, teams in Malaysian Premier and Super League. So when they have under 19, they have under 21. So we will come for that matches. This is how we will scout the kids. Our our schools in Malaysia don't play football. I, I know I know clubs all over Europe. Uh, they, they watch kids tournaments. They watch inter school tournaments and and matches like that. How important is it for us to? add that to the curriculum I mean if we're serious about being a football nation right it's a different system in Europe they're playing by clubs in um, depends which system Malaysia want to follow in uh, Japan for example they play in schools they play in high schools only after that they're going the best going to the J-League clubs J-League uh, lower division clubs so, so in Japan the, the high school matches are, are very well watched aren't they yeah, and it's very tough. We went this year to one of the best tournaments in Fukuoka and uh, with our national team we were struggling because they all were playing really fast football. They all, you can see that they're working on their development. Technically, they were much better than us and this is what, what we need to improve in the future. But it's good experience for the boys because you need to play. When you see how Japan is doing this, then you can implement this here. It's funny, you, you, you quote, Japanese. I mean, I'm old enough to remember our professional football league here running years before the J-League started. If I'm not wrong, the Japanese sent a delegation over to study the Malaysian League before they started their J-League. How have we regressed and how have they progressed so much, Boyan? I don't know. This was past. This one, I, I was not here probably all this year. So this one, you need to ask somebody else. I'm not the right person to answer. Yeah, but you must have an idea. I mean, how can, well, how how can well deter, how can we deteriorate so much? Is it complacency at the time? Because we were quite good, right? You know, in in football, football improving every day, physically, mentally, tactically. 
there is new things that are introduced on top level uh, so probably things when I played when I start to play for the first team it was 87 I think when I start to pro- play professionally it was 1990 from that time till today football changed a lot this was not physical speed of running is important compared to these days that the time football was very slow compared to today so every day there is in football there is something new so you need to fall so probably somewhere in new development somebody didn't follow the latest things in the world and and this is where once you don't follow it's very easy you fall you behind fall. It's, it's happened to many countries in the world if you see like Hungary who was in 50s 60s unbelievable team they were the best in the world now suddenly after this for for next 30 40 years they cannot catch up with top of the world so that's the reason why you can see all of this as i said football improving every day uh, it's more and more science so you need to follow mm okay that's a that's a kind of a good safe answer there uh, You've come from club football. I I, um, I I went up to Kelantan when you famously won the treble that year. When was that? 2014? Yeah, 2012. 2012. Well, it seems so long ago. But I remember we weren't allowed to, well, we couldn't walk the literally 100 yards along the street without you being stopped to, to be photographed and stuff like that. Do, do you miss club football? But not, but how to say that I don't look really much uh, back, you know. So for me, I always trying to look future and uh, Kelantan, Johor, this all was great for me because I was winning trophies. I have lots of success. So then when, when you have this part of coaching career, it's good. But then also uh, before this, I was in China. Before this, I was in Cambodia. This all, when you're working with the clubs, uh, if you have good results, you really enjoy it. But then again, like I said, now I try this because it's something different, national team. Uh, it's different job because you're doing more scouting you're focused more on uh, short uh, time on, on the tactical matches you have more time to prepare maybe for that but then again you cannot change some habits from the players you cannot if player is technically bad I can't change him because I have only four or five trainings with him which in the club football if you work every day with the player he can improve technically he can improve tactically much more than than in the national team so there's a there's a reason it's a different job here is more scouting scouting opponents more tactical things than in the in the club it sounds to me what you've just described there if if clubs um, were more cooperative can i use that word with with you guys and you know with the younger kids and and the same training systems and that would help no um That will, but I'll be honest, nowhere in the world is that you have national teams and clubs that they follow completely the same, same thing. Because, especially in professional clubs, they are looking especially in the results. So, you development, they try to arrange how their first team playing, same system and everything. Now, they're trying to do something same in Malaysian team, but you need time for that. And uh, clubs in Europe, like UC Barcelona, all these kids technically are gifted. They insist on, on passing from youth development, from the early age till, till first team. And all of them try to play same system, same style. So it's a little bit different. And in national team, lots of times they're looking just for the results, pure for results. You spent most of your life in football. Um, in so many countries uh, across the world, you, you've now more or less settled in Malaysia. I know your your kids, Luke, your kid Luca's in school here. Yeah, they're all very happy. But 
you were born in Croatia. Obviously, you weren't born and the minute you go, I want to be a football player. Was that how it started? Uh, no. You see, my son asked me the same question a few days ago. <laughs> Actually, I never planned to be a footballer. What, so, what, what did you want to be? Pilot. You know, all kids want to be pilot or, or fireman. Or <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. So how, how did young boy get into football? I played football and basketball together uh, because my best friend played basketball, so I was playing in a cl- local club with him. So it's a social thing? It's a social thing. Normally, uh, even football, I enter local club because my friends went for trial, so I went with them for trial, and I was the only one who passed the trial. And I like... <laughs> I like the guys in the dressing room that were with me. It was a good uh, bunch of kids, you know. That How we, old were you at this time? I was 13, which is quite late. Which is quite late because normally, even before that, 8, 9, 10, mm. you know, they're already mm. playing. They have, But I like it. It was very near to my house. And then I played football and basketball together. And then at age of 16, the local football club uh, where I played, they promote me to the senior team mm-hmm. with... Uh, bigger guys, older guys, and uh, they were, some of them, even 30, but that time we already start to get some pocket money. Okay. Even this was lower division, but you have some... And, uh, and, and this to a kid who loves the game, suddenly you're going, wow. And I was 16. <laughs> so suddenly I decided uh, maybe I can stop basketball, I can focus on football because there is much more money in football. And still I didn't know that I would play professionally, but then... That time, the Croatia was under Yugoslavia, so the moment when Croatia split, mm-hmm. my club was third division. We won third division, enter second. Then the club offered everybody. This was already semi-pro, let's say. On the paper was pro, but it was semi-pro. And they give to all young players professional contract. This is where I signed professional contract. This is how I become professional. It was none, none of the things that it was planned. So it was circumstances, and also you happen to be in the right place, right time, doing the job at the time, and, and you haven't looked back. But okay, so how did you go from Croatia out of Croatia? Uh, I was playing in Croatia, first and second division, and I was looking to go, of course, out in the countries that Why? paying much Why? more. Why? Well, it's, it's, it's the trouble finance, bugging you. Finance, only finance, nothing else. You're looking, because in Croatian, first and second division, except in few top clubs, there is no money. Money is quite low. So all professional footballers trying to look for the clubs that are paying much more. Mm-hmm. And I was looking actually Germany. I even went there for trial. And suddenly my friend called me from Singapore. Mm-hmm. He was playing in S-League. So he asked me, they were looking for stopper. He asked me if, I, if I'm interested. So I just, I said, let's try. And this is, I went there and stayed. What were you at 30s here? 20-something? I was 25. Okay, so that, that's that's quite a good like you, you spent the peak of your career playing in Southeast Asia. Yeah, then once I signed there, I was I played there. I played in Hong Kong, and then twenty years I stayed around. Wow, um, so many memories. <laughs> to, to, um, were there were there crazy teammates, people that stick in your mind? Uh, no, it was look. Football. Was was there one childhood friend all the way through that you? Uh, no, he left. After one, two years, he left. He went to Hong Kong. Then, actually, I followed him to Hong Kong. But then, uh, there was, after that, is you know, when you split, basically, I was alone. Uh, but then, you know, in football world, uh, as a player, you don't think much. You're just going for training. You do your things on training. You go home. You're enjoying life. Uh, you are trying to win and things like that. The moment when I start coaching, I have lots of injuries. 
one of my teammates who offered me to to come to Malaysia. Uh, he asked, I, he allowed me to go and finish my coaching badges, which is very important. Absolutely, that that has well, that stands you in good stead now. Yeah. So when I was I was at the same time working with the kids uh, with Little League here. So hang on, how old were you when you started doing your co- coaching badges? Thirty. So you were still playing? The time I stopped playing because uh, I was offered to go somewhere to Austria and things like that. Mm. But it was, I had bad injuries during career. So, you know, when you're going on training with, uh, with the feeling, uh, I hope that today I will not get injured. Yeah, <laughs> not, yeah, yeah. This, is not, the bad, this yeah. is not the best thing. No. And it's cold the weather there as well. Yeah, yeah. So then, <laughs> then you change your mind and you focus on next career. Next career was coaching. At the beginning was coaching kids for fun. But then, you know, one time when you were in professional football, I believe that when you are competitive, you want to go back. So when I had my chances, I used my chance. Brilliant stuff. We're going to stop here for another break. When we come back, we'll wrap up with Boya and find out what he's got planned for the future next. This is Grandstand on BFN 89.9. Sit back, talk sports and play ball. This is Grandstand. Yeah, thanks a lot for sticking with us. This week on Grandstand, we're looking at coaching, football coaching. And Boyan Hodak is our guest. He is the current coach of the Malaysian under-19s with pretty much heard all about Boyan's career so far, how it's taken him from Croatia to Singapore to here. Now, in Malaysia, Boyan, you started with what? Uh, my team, I remember you. Yeah, it was team that was formed. Uh, Watching it on telly every week. Yeah, there was there was a reality TV show which basically chose some kids. Uh, chairman was Kairi Jamaluddin and he liked this uh, concept and he wants these boys to go in the club. So they took over club in second division, which was UPV, which was financially struggling and almost closed, and they wanted to save the club. They took the club, they put me as a head coach, and same year we won promotion from Premier to Super League. I know. It was good fun. Um, that time, maybe I was a little bit optimistic. I also thought that, oh, it's so easy, you know, and... Like all coaches in the world, you think that you are the smartest one. <laughs> so we played uh, Super League with a team that was average age 21, which was too young. So that's the reason why we did mistake. We were struggling uh, this half of the season in the league. We stay in the league. Mm-hmm. Then in Malaysia Cup, we did really well. In group stage, we were the best. Yeah. But we lost one game in quarterfinal. We were a little bit unlucky. I remember that we missed in extra time. We missed two penalties. And we, we, are, we were out, concede goal and we were out. Some players from that group uh, have graduated and, and come and gone along and have had great careers, haven't they? Twelve of them were called for national team, which later, which uh, means that um, some of them were really good in national teams. Name so some of the names? North Sharul Talaha, Samudin. <laughs> exactly. Uh, today, uh, famous bandit, uh, <laughs> Stanley Bernard. Ah! And then... Um, there was Asmi Muslim, um, there was some of the really, really guys that, that in Malaysian club football, they were good names. But some of them, as I said, probably Norshar Talaha was the, the most famous out of Malaysia. 
So from from there, your your management career from my team took you to Kelantan, where you enjoyed a, a lot of success. No, no. Then I went to Cambodia. Oh, of course, you you went abroad first, China as well. And then I went to China, yeah, to yeah, Shandong, yeah. Luneng, and after I finished my contract there, I was assistant coach. Uh, Hang on, let's pause you there first. All right, standard of football in first Cambodia compared to here, uh, it's lower. The clubs were not organized. I was invited by Phnom Penh Crown, who had one young president, and he wanted to do something for Cambodia. Not only they're one of the biggest clubs there, right? Yeah, they're one of the biggest clubs. But he wanted to do something uh, out of Cambodia. He he wanted to do something in Asian level or or this region. So basically, uh, when I went there, we qualified for AFC President Cup, which is like third level. Of, of Asian uh, club competitions, but this was the first time that one uh, Cambodian club went to final round. I was not there; I left the club when they play final round. But um, it was good result. There, I lost in seven eight months only one match. So basically, I had good time there. It was new experience yeah. because I also have problem to understand its different culture, different language, yeah, yeah totally. different language. But also, you know. It, Players were not at the level with Malaysian players, mm-hmm. so there was lots of things. Uh, I struggled there with. I was buying my own equipment and, and bringing from Singapore and Malaysia, so it was not easy. Mm. But at the end, um, it was good results. And then suddenly, overnight, I got call from Shandong Luneng, which is one of the biggest Chinese clubs, and I got offered to be assistant coach. And I have 48 hours to pack my things. Uh, termi- terminate my contract uh, give back car house everything uh, get visa and enter the plane together with the family brand new life I mean that's the life of a football coach in a nutshell alright standard of football in China then uh, higher level higher level and how much higher than us but local players are not much difference but the difference is uh, foreign players foreign and every players. club's got one or two and they have five that time they have five and four can play but the thing is that also the if you see money that was involved there this is main thing if you see uh, training grounds training facilities if you see playing facilities to be honest Malaysia have good stadiums they yeah. have big stadiums yeah, yeah. but when you compare this to China it's nowhere near nowhere near every every club there will have easily two, two big stadiums to play so it was it was great experience it was a um, good thing that you see how top club in Asia working how long were you there I was there nine months and then from there to Malaysia yeah they offered me they were quite happy with me I was there under two coaches and uh, they offered me a job to in their new development but I was not interested At that time I want to stay in the club uh, and from that time I come back to Malaysia for Chinese New Year mm. And suddenly, I have called to go to Kelantan. <laughs> and, and that was a, a joyous... How long did you spend there? Two years? I spent there two years, and it was a really good time. A lot of success we, there. Yeah, we won four trophies. We played two more uh, finals. So it was, it was one good generation. It was good management. It was uh, full stadium every game. Um, and I think that this result actually opened lots of doors for me. Mm. From there, I went to Johor, mm-hmm. won first title after 25 years. And okay, I mean, let, let's pause at Johor for a while. 
how how ahead are they of the other Super League teams in terms of developing players, facilities available, uh, coaches and stuff? Developing, not so much. But what is different is training facilities, playing facilities. There, you don't need to worry about when you come on training if you will have all equipment, if you will have good pitch. Everything is perfect. So you, as a coach, you have everything to uh, do good results. That's the reason why they have advantage. They were buying. They now they only starting with you development. It's not still at the level they're supposed to be. But you're now, still buying the best players in Malaysia. But they have all the best now. They so they don't need to buy. They just maintain every year. They're buying one or two players, but you know it's normal for players. They're always looking where is best money, where to go. Okay, um, so that that in in a nutshell, that's a whirlwind ride of Boyan's professional life so far. Malaysia under 19 coach currently. Where and how long? Um, okay, where where next after this? I don't know. Now you know you are focused on. I'm not focused on this job now. I'm focused on. Uh, we have next week AFF tournament. After this, we will have uh, uh, October is AFC, and basically even this AFF tournament uh, and friendly matches after that for, uh, tournaments, everything is focused AFC. Okay, so all right, after after this, you you now have a taste of international management. Surely, you'd like the full job. But of course, but it's not outset. I'm not really pressured now. With You're not in a rush. <laughs> no, and now it's even when once when you have some success, one then then slowly you don't want to. They are, you are looking for the clubs or teams where you can improve them that you know that will be good uh, environment to work. Then you don't want to take just something that you know at the beginning. Sometimes you know when you're taking over some club at the beginning you are in trouble. You know this this will not work. So now I'm at this position that I don't need to do that. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, that's a great position to be in. Um, your your son, does he want to be a professional footballer? Yeah, he wants, but I hope that he will be doctor, not professional <laughs> Make him be that pilot you were and you never were. Yeah, you, know, you know, one of my, my best friends before, he was telling me a story how he finished school for pilot and he gave up and he went into football. And I couldn't believe <laughs> You know, I couldn't believe. For me, it's even for my son. I, I, I hope that he will be pilot or doctor more than professional footballer because it's not easy. No, come on. It's the most glamorous job. Every kid in the world dreams about professional football. I mean, okay, let, let's leave end this by saying, um, tell us how proud you are of Croatia. We, we're actually recording this mid-World Cup. Croatia's qualified from the group stage. I mean, you're not a big nation, but you do well at, at big tournaments. Croatia have only 4 million people. This is for Singapore 4 million size. people. Yeah, uh, even less. It's so smaller, for a yeah. country like that to, to have so many players in uh, Real Madrid, Barcelona, Liverpool, uh, Monaco, Juventus, Inter Milan. So it's amazing thing. means that probably our, there, must, there must be something maybe genetically. Yeah, uh, okay. Funny you should say that because I want you to explain Luka Modric before you go. He's not your typical... Athlete size He's certainly not Built athletically If anything He looks wispy It's probably genetics But it's also <laughs> probably Your development And you must have Something In a 
that maybe culture or, or tradition where, you know, every funny thing, but in Croatian football, in new development, there is lots of pressure. Yeah. Any parents want their child to be new Messi or new Modric, and everybody thinks that the child is good enough, and it's not like that. It's, it's not really, it's really tough job. Luka Modric is a boy who is hungry. He yeah. comes from a very yeah. poor background. Uh, his parents struggling during the war. They escaped from the house, from from uh, area where they stay. And maybe this was pushing him. All this uh, background was pushing him to become top. The other thing is he got amazing talent. I remember 2007 when I was coaching UPB, my team. Yeah. Kari Jamaludin asked me to go and do something like um, to improve myself, to follow trainings. And I went and follow trainings of Dinamo Zagreb. Mm-hmm. That time Luka Modric was there, just before they sold him to Tottenham. Uh, that time uh, Mario Mandzukic was there, he wow. went to striker. That was a good team. And you can you can really, yeah, Eduardo from Arsenal, <laughs> uh, Chorluka from Man City, who is now also his national team. And you can see every time when Modric received the ball, even that time, can see that boy have something special every time he's small size yeah but you couldn't kick him because he will when he was receiving he will make this body move that will put these big players yeah. out of balance amazing and somehow his first touch he will always take the ball in position that giving him advantage away from the man he will always move to the space there is nobody so you can see that he will be top player but now to tell you that time oh he will play in Real Madrid I didn't know would you say Luka Modric is the greatest Croatian player ever? I mean, I'm also thinking a name that springs to my mind is people like Davos Šuker. Now, yes. Now, yes. Uh, now, Modric is over Šuker because, you know, there is one thing I remember on BFM. I said a few years ago, few years ago that Luka Modric is one of the best midfielders in the world. Yeah. And somebody was asking me a question if how, you know, according to what? According to the way he played. He is playing in Real Madrid and he is the guy who is giving one of the best club in the world he's like you know conductor yep. of the music Agreed. how you play music Agreed. so if he's number 10 there he's one of the best in the world and this World Cup he's showing that probably he is brilliant brilliant stuff absolutely brilliant I've enjoyed myself thoroughly thank you so much for joining us Boyan thank you very much for the invitation and thank you guys for listening back with another one soon bye bye Tune in next week for more Grandstand on BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.